0: Hello, it's Andrew May and welcome to the Strive Stronger podcast, Bite Size Edition. This is where we take a clip from a previous podcast and we amplify it for you in a snack sized format. Today's Bite Size is about becoming burnout proof with Strive Stronger Research Director and University of Sydney Associate Professor. Dr. Tom Buckley. Dr. Tom and I recently released a white paper called Burnout Proof, where we pinpoint the five factors that if you build into your life, will ensure you against burning out. In this bite-sized edition, Dr. Tom and I talk about one, purpose alignment, two, active recovery, three, restorative sleep, four, physiological capacity, and five, social connectedness. So let's first of all talk about that purpose alignment. So to work out your purpose, number one, articulate your purpose. You've got to invest the time, spend a couple of months and we'll give people details on how they can download the white paper and they can go deeper on this. Number two is when are you at your best? When are you either in flow at your best or when do you do activities where time transcends? The third one is meaning at work. How does work give you meaning other than a paycheck? And I know when I coach people, sometimes they say, oh, it doesn't. No, no, go a little bit deeper. So what else do you get at work? Connection. Okay, so you're building... Cues like reading other people. You're working on emotional intelligence. You're working on leadership. What else? Oh, we did this walk. Um, we did this wonderful walk. Can for cancer. Okay, so there's a connection with community. The fourth one is supplement, and I'm not talking about vitamins. If you go, hey, my career is is here, and it's okay, not great. However, I'm getting the money at work, and I'm getting enough connection to keep me going. Will then join a gardening group or join a church group or a choir or help out some way in your community. And the fifth one is you've got to do the hard work. Now, you've got to work on this. It takes time. Read, explore. And one other thing, if I gave a bonus, I'd ask other people, what do you think is my purpose?
1: And there's a reason we have them as number one. That work really has to happen for many people before I can actually even move forward with physiology or recovery or other areas. Because you can be tinkering with symptoms, otherwise you have got to start with that core.
0: The second one we looked at is active recovery. Active recovery is light movement, light activity, and also getting psychological detachment. Before I give some examples on what active recovery is, what isn't it? Busy men, women are at work, oh... I need a glass of wine, I need a cold Asahi beer. I'm just going to watch a bit of TV to switch off. What does that do from a physiology point of view? Well, you measured in the lab, when you're watching TV, our brainwaves don't get out of beta. Now, we want our brainwaves to shift ideally to alpha, which is where you relax and recover, and to go right deeper brainwaves. You know, you have your best ideas in the bath, on a bike, on a bus, in the beach, or when you're reading a book. I call that the five B's. It's when you get out of beta and into that that subconscious pattern where your brain relaxes. So when you have a glass of wine, it, it stimulates your sympathetic nervous system, and TV keeps you in beta, there's no recovery. When you finish work, at least five or 10 minutes of an activity, if you can, to decompress, relax the body, switch off the brain. And we call this transition time.
1: When people are in this scenario where they're using coffee as the accelerant in the morning and they're using wine or beer as the depressant at night, they're, they're on the road to physiological burnout. Mm. It's only a case of time. Of course, the answer isn't to stop both. There's a whole unwinding you've got to do. There's a reason we have active recovery before we have inactive recovery in that it is often transitional. And um, and you're right with the television. And something that I'm not sure if I've told you, something we did in our house when, when COVID started was we made a conscious decision that we would not put the news on in the house, on television. Having the television on meant that you were hearing the same news stories, the there same is. hype, they create anxiety. That's advice I've given many of our clients in the last year, and some of them have said to me it's been a deal-breaker, switch off from the constant news. That doesn't mean don't check the news, but what I'm hearing on the news is completely distorted, mm-hmm sort of emotional news stories. And I don't think that's doing anyone any good. And if that's your relaxation at night to have the news on for an hour,
0: and then another hour to see if it changes, um, you are absolutely not actively recovering. So what are the five things that people can do for active recovery? Number one is transition time. Transition time activities would be stuff like going for a walk, ideally in nature. Uh, swim in the ocean, low activity the second one, and you and I are big on this by double dipping, try and do them together daily sunshine, 80% of our executives and entrepreneurs are low in vitamin D, so get 30 minutes of vitamin D every single day number three is grounding, grounding is literally being in contact with the soil um, your skin against the soil
1: and the best way to do it is to be walking barefoot on soil, one of the things to do if you're having
0: trouble sleeping is to get out of bed and ground yourself, go and walk on the grass barefoot, number four Four is laughter, fun, and play. Mm. And I always ask people this, what do you do for joy? And I often go, well, what, what do you mean? When you're on the verge of burnout and you're really fatigued and everything's just smashing your emotions, we take out all the stuff that fuels us. And we often say, kids, play. Play dates, play dough, play time. Uh, adults, we do Zoom meetings.
1: And here I'm going to jump in and say, find the, the, the most effective dose here because someone like me gets tremendous pleasure exercising. But that might create stress for my family who are sitting around waiting for you. So your recommendation there on play, um, if you can do it with others, is a really good one. And just to give you an example of that, since the pandemic started, um, we've started playing Uno at home, and it's become almost a nightly thing. Instead of dessert or at dessert, it's Uno time. And the joy and fun you have there for 10 minutes just dissipates so much stress Mm -hmm. out of the household. We as humans
0: crave play, We as adults often deprive ourselves of play. So many adults are play deprived or play deprivation, which is very similar to what people get from sleep deprivation. They're irritable, they're tired, they're grumpy, they're not creative. And the fifth one is the 30-minute rule. The first 30 minutes of every day, don't check your technology. The last 30 minutes, switch off your technology. So the blue light's not stimulating the pineal gland to release all the chemicals that wake us up. And if you can, in the middle of the day, you would do 30 minutes – outside with your shoes off so you're double dipping? I actually think 30 minutes might not be enough for many people.
1: Irritability is a real feature of burnout. So if you are somebody who's who's getting that irritability then get those pop offs off the technology and preferably have some technology detox time. Number three, which is your one, restorative sleep. I think if there's one thing we must protect in our lives, it's our sleep time. If there's one thing I see in our lab that absolutely robs the first two to three hours of recovery, even if you think you're asleep, it's when you've got the blue light in front of your face in bed. So iPads and iPhones have no place in, in the bedroom in my opinion. Wearing blue light blocking glasses, switching your phone to Night mode, they all generally help in a big way. Second one is to make sleep a priority. We have to prioritize sleep, and that prioritization starts in the morning. And people will be amazed what you do in the morning has a massive impact on your sleep at night. And one of the first things I'll do with clients is I'll say, I want you up earlier. And they were like, But I'm going to be tired. You will be initially. So up earlier, sunshine earlier. Exercise earlier, get all get the body moving in the morning as the first step and get that pattern going. And that for many people is the lock and key to their sleep at nighttime. The third one is to go to bed and get up at the same time. The body thrives on that regularity. I'm gonna throw a curveball at you, because a number of people listening to this are shift workers. People who do shift work rarely get taught how to manipulate mm. the environment to manipulate their biology. Oh Create nighttime conditions before you go to bed in the morning. Yeah, create daytime conditions when you get up, even if it's the evening. So number four, keep the bedroom cool and dark. And I probably could add to that, too. If you can use light to wake yourself up, it is way more effective on your biology than an alarm clock. And number five, we shouldn't have these large, full, big meals in the evening time. In my opinion, that should be breakfast and uh, and and some clients I actually get them to reverse their meals around and have their what would be their dinner to have that in the morning and what would be their breakfast to have that in the evening and that can be the unlock to their sleeping because your body's still working for the first four or five hours to digest that meal particularly if you have that meal after 7 a.m. p.m most people when we do the physiological monitoring get away with one unit of alcohol be half a glass of wine or or one small beer most people get away with that with minimum disruption once you go above that you absolutely are decreasing the recovery parasympathetic system and sugar is another one um, we really should sh- limit sugar That's when we
0: first started doing heart rate monitoring and people would have a massive spike in yeah. heart rate uh, a spike in sympathetic activation we go Oh, did you have alcohol no uh, were you watching TV or have an argument with your spouse no what did you do I had a massive bowl of ice cream or I had a big piece of sugary cake
1: and so for some people it does help them to get off to sleep because you get the the sugar spike, insulin spike, and then you get the lull and tiredness
0: afterwards. Do it long enough and you get the reverse. So that's my, my five for sleep. Number four is physiological capacity. What is it, What does that look like to have physiological capacity? It's more than physical fitness. It's actually about optimising your
1: physiological state. Now, part of that is physical fitness, of course, cardiorespiratory fitness. We know that people who have higher cardiorespiratory fitness, we measure it through VO2 max we know that they generally have higher heart rate variability. And people with higher heart rate variability have higher stress resilience, so they can take on more stress before the stress overcomes their coping. And I mean mental stress and physiological stress, because if you're, if you're able to reduce your heart rate because you've got better cardiovascular fitness, you recover better at night. Mm. If you're able to raise it quickly in response to stresses, that's actually a healthier heart. It's less prone to stress-related diseases and You
0: live longer. Physiological capacity is not doing hundreds and hundreds of low, slow kilometers on the bike, where you flush your body with cortisol, your hormone levels drop because you're not doing any resistance training as well. We're talking about short, sharp bursts. So to improve VO2 max, like interval training is the best way to do that. You mentioned before, what's the minimal dose?
1: And the opposite of that, of course, is not doing a high intensity um, training session every single day either, because that will create a constant stress response. It's about finding the effective dose. One of the problems with many prescriptions of exercise is that it's a one fits all. And as you know, in our lab, we, we actually look at genetic profiles to then determine what's likely to be the best exercise prescription. You do need a base of low intensity. You need short bursts of high intensity. But you absolutely, from the age of 30 plus, must incorporate resistance training as well. Because part of the ability to adapt to stress is to have ability to absorb the
0: stress. You had to start doing that, right? I really did.
1: Later. I in that, that period of time there where I was burnt out from doing 20 24 hours a week of endurance training, part of switching it around and part of normalizing DHEA, part of normalizing testosterone, part of allowing the liver to regenerate was actually almost having that endurance training and and doing more resistance training. It's about optimizing your physiology in a natural way. I'm not talking about taking pills. I'm talking about through everything that you do. And of course, physical exercise, resistance training. Um, Number two here was to incorporate low doses of high intensity training. One of the things that's often spoken about in the longevity um, literature is that you should go anaerobic every day. The maximum time you probably ever really need to be working your heart rate up, you know, above 90% of your maximum is probably six minutes in total in any of those high intensity sessions with loads of recovery in between. So it's short, short little bursts. The third one is to go green. And I mean green is to spend time in nature. And it is not pseudoscience. Um, it is absolutely blue science. too.
0: Blue spaces, there's more around that with oceans as well.
1: Blue spaces as well. Yeah. And the last one, and we and we've we've talked about this, safeguard your sleep. As soon as you lose quality of sleep, as soon as you lose quantity of sleep you are on the path to adrenal insufficiency you are on the path to burnout you can do your aerobic exercise you can do your resistance training you can do your high intensity training you can eat really good natural foods you can be doing all these things perfect but if you are not getting adequate sleep you won't get the benefit
0: mm. teaching my kids this about natural foods so in natural environments and Archie wanted to know, what does a chisel tree look like? Maybe there's <laughs> no such thing as a cheesel tree. And when we often get asked in workshops, right? Like when you read ingredients, what are the best ingredients on labels? Yeah. No ingredients yeah. on labels. Get stuff that is fresh produce.
1: I have one tip for people on this. If, if a food has more than four ingredients in it, really ask yourself, do you need to eat that? Because that's, that's termed an ultra-processed food. And ultra-processed foods are associated with a lot of bad things. Is there an alternative? And if and if you use that, you will actually amazed how your diet will shift really
0: quickly. Number five, social connectedness. Now, for thousands of years, we've belonged in communities. Humans crave connection. No man or no woman can live as an island. Tom, we need to be connected with others. And you said way at the start of this podcast, one of the three key things we see in burnout is cynicism. And what often happens with people on that burnout continuum is they withdraw withdraw from doing all the great things you spoke about from physical capacity they withdraw from all the natural things i spoke about about active recovery they have got a refined purpose or a defined purpose they don't connect with that but withdrawing from others is really dangerous in fact it's so dangerous now loneliness is becoming an epidemic
1: andrew you should see what's going on in hospitals you Mm -hmm. should see people not able to be with their loved ones dying you should Mm -hmm. see people not able to visit their loved ones when they're um, severely ill you should see the impact that has on people. At the one time, at the one time they need it, it is an absolute recipe for a tsunami that's coming down the road and the literature is already identifying a tsunami of burnout, a tsunami of mental unwellness, a tsunami of disconnection. I am seeing oh, it really firsthand how this is playing out and, and it will be carnage just from this one factor.
0: We can't change what's happening in hospital settings and I, I feel for you and the hospital workers, doctors. Doctors, nurses, carers, it's tough, right? I don't know how you train for that. But I'm going to quote Dr Nicola outside of hospitals. We can be socially isolated yet still connected. Absolutely, and, and and we know that
1: loneliness is actually a very poor prognostic um, factor for for well-being, but particularly for a long life. Um, we know that we know about 60% of married people report high scale, high on the scales of loneliness. So you can be around people, but you're not not or you be can connected. Be in a relationship and lonely. Yeah. Um, we absolutely have to recognise the impact. Of social social isolation has on people's natural connectedness because we all do connect in different ways with different people. Some people get more pleasure out of their connection at the coffee shop in the morning with the with the person who's delivering the coffee than perhaps they're even getting in their own family. Some of that's pulled away here, um, and if we recognise that um, and and then put in strategies to deal with that, um, we, we need we we're on the road to preventing that that as a trigger of burnout. Well,
0: two governments have obviously heard you before and they've taken your lead, United Arab Emirates and also the UK government. Uh, You know, in in England now, they have a Minister for Loneliness, whereas the United Arab Emirates, they've got a Minister for Happiness. So the same things, but interesting, right, that two governments, a bit of fun about what they've called it, but those governments have identified that loneliness is an epidemic, not just around relationships, but the economic cost as well, when people have mental health issues, not connected don't feel socially supported?
1: A lot of the European countries have been very vocal in their acknowledgement that continuing to social isolate to uh, decrease the risks of virus transmission is that some of that life-saving is actually lost in the impact of breaking down social connection there's two extremes it's what we see in ICU which is heartbreaking but it's what you see in people's daily lives which for for people can actually be the biggest trigger of burnout
0: so there's a lot that we can't do the five factors on social connectedness that we all can do number one is strengthen relationships now whether that is virtual or social Work on your relationships. Give them time, give them effort, give them energy. The second thing is find your tribe. And I love that word tribe. You know, being back in sport, watching the Parramatta Eels play. But you just see people come into the game wearing the blue and the yellow. And they're just tribal. And you've got such a range of people from different occupations, different socioeconomic classes. But when that bell goes or that whistle is blown they're a collective group. But your tribe could be a work tribe, it could be a community tribe, it could be an ocean swimming tribe, uh, it could be playing cards, something where you're with a bunch of people where you have a common shared interest and a collection coming together. The third one, I call this the physical activity double dip. You and I have introduced a new word to the lexicon which is a spat that, a yeah. spin and chat which yeah. is a bike ride and chat, yeah. train with people go for a walk do weights well as i think of it you're not just a double dip it's a triple or quadruple drip i have
1: got to say if you if you can do that work meeting walking with somebody barefoot around the oval you're getting sunshine it's it's a it's, it's a it four or five I, I i don't know what you call five six seven eight dip i mean once again it's just about being as Doing things in as more natural state as you can. Yeah, I think and there's a common theme moving.
0: that's coming through loud and clear on that. Number four is related to that: ditch the digital devices as well. Connect with people, not with technology.
1: Yeah, and and that area is changing too. In that, um, you know, younger people's connection through social media versus all those middle-aged connection through social media versus older individuals are very very different but it's when that becomes an extreme it's a real issue Mm. Um, but for many many younger people that is their natural connection now Um, and in some ways i gives me a lot of heart that i think younger people um, will, will may come out of this a lot better than we think because they're used to this virtual connection uh, whereas we're far more used to interpersonal
0: interaction in, in to physical form. I watch my kids adapt to remote learning.
1: Yes, so yeah. So quick, yeah. so much
0: faster. And we're like adults still a month later, where's the mic? You're on mute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How often have we heard that? <laughs> uh, and the fifth one is reach out. Uh, reach out. If you're really struggling and you don't know where to go, reach out to us, to Dr. Tom or I. Um, go to this podcast, you'll see all the contact details for our relevant businesses and social media. Reach out if you're in an organization, if you have an EAP, reach out to a family member, reach out to a friend. Don't do not do this by yourself. Hey, it's Andrew, and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to listen to the full episode or some of our other shows, you can find the Strive Stronger podcast in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen. We have plenty more content covering all things high performance with world-class experts from a diverse range of fields. And if you would like to support the Strive Stronger podcast, subscribe and leave a comment and rating as we love the feedback.